All right, so we're going to do kind of like last time where we just jumped into uh, one of our topics. So you've got a whole list here of topics that you want to get to, but one of the first things that you want to get to is uh, a few things that happened in my game last week. Right, there's just some things that happened that in and of, in and of themselves, I think they, they kind of jump into some of these other topics that some of them were suggested by a friend of mine, Rob, who's put some comments on the website for us. And he was part of that group I played with in Cleveland for so many years. We started the rotating DM thing. This is one of the things I wanted to talk about. So one of the, the big things for me that I liked was the whole thing with the bridge and the, and the booby trap that mm-hmm. we set. So, again, just a quick recap. We've been fighting these creatures in your game that use these alchemical firebombs. They're little bags that have some kind of substance in them, and when you throw them, they explode. And we had fought a couple other creatures that were using them, and when we killed them, we were able to recover a couple and we'd used them ourselves, but at the end of this day, we had three left. And we kind of knew which way the monsters were coming. We knew they would probably come to this bridge. So my character being the rogue, I'm like, let's build a booby trap using these firebombs so that as they're crossing the bridge, they blow up. And maybe we can, you know, that'll give us an advantage in the, in the fight. And what I, one of the things that I liked about that is that you didn't even have me roll. You just kind of let that happen. And I don't know if it's because we talked about in the past, you know, sometimes rolls are irrelevant and, or if it was just because you really weren't having fun and you just didn't want to deal with it. I don't know. But I, I liked that you just kind of said, okay. And I kind of explained to you how I wanted it to work and when it would go off to maximize the effectiveness. And that basically just happened. So I really liked that. I felt like my character had a big win. You had a, you, you had a big idea and you and were worked. able to accomplish it. Yes. So for me, that worked. But at the same time... I thought it could have been better. So this is what, it's in my mind, I thought the bridge should have blown up. Like, because it, it did, it just, it, it went boom and the people I know. on it. I know. And so, like, you guys were basically, it was kind of like you went and bought fireworks and you don't know how powerful they are. So they're like uh, black, like little M80s. Yeah. And you think you have dynamite. Yes. So you're waiting and waiting and waiting and then pop. <laughs> and you're like, wait, is that it? Was yeah. It, that was the explosion? Yeah. All right, let's go get him. <laughs> so I know I, I know it would have been this big dramatic thing. I don't know. I don't know if me as the DM, if I should have embellished so that like uh, if I could have made it better. But um, when you guys were using these bags, I, I just made up this thing in the game where you guys found these bags of powder. And they have strings of different colors tied around them. The red ones, when you throw them, they hit something, they explode and make a fireball and they deal some damage. When you guys were using those, when you first found them, you were using them against things that had like eight hit points and ten hit points. So if you hit hit it and I I had a good damage roll from it, because I would roll like a D4 or D6 to see what the damage would be from it, um, one or two hits, you might kill something. But here... You're fighting uh, big things, and then also you have them like on the bridge. So they're spread out. But you only had three, three of them. We had three left, and it's a big wooden bridge. And it would be the equi- it would be the equivalent of like you know putting fireworks on a real bridge. Yeah, yeah like they might blow up and they might hurt somebody, but they're not going to have any effect on the stability. And, and I guess of the that bridge. makes sense. But in my head, that's what was going to happen. And it could have been this epic moment. So you had this big buildup inside where, like, 
okay, this is going to work. And then and it did work, but it didn't work to the same level. So one of the things that I thought you could have done, again, this is a two-week perspective looking back on it, is the fact that you didn't have me roll, maybe you could have. And if I had rolled pretty low, then kind of what happened would have happened that it worked, but it didn't really do what you wanted. If I rolled really well, maybe I had found a strategic place to put these fireworks that it really would have collapsed the bridge. So that way I would have been rewarded I could for say, a good roll. I could, like, um, going into the next game, I could, like, say, okay, uh, this part of the bridge seems to be catching on fire. And then, and then the bridge could start burning. Could, could kind of build to and that. And build, like, this burning bridge. But yeah. at the same time, and I, and I don't know if you've done it on purpose or not, and I kind of doubt it, but in my head, right now, we are playing the movie Blazing Saddles. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, I've never. I haven't seen all of it. Uh, I've seen hilarious parts movie. Of it. Yeah, but it's almost exactly the same. Setup. You love Mel Brooks movies, and I have only ever watched one or two. Young that Frankenstein I liked. is still the single funniest movie. Most I know, funny but I have movie. trouble oh. sitting and getting through those movies. Oh. I have trouble getting. Okay. Through anyway, them. Okay. so when we watch Blazing Saddles, kind of the big ending of it is there's all these bad guys that are coming into this town. And so you've got two basic PCs. You got the sheriff and the Waco kid, and everybody else are just commoners. And then you got all these bad guys that are riding in. And in, in the movie, it's a fake town they've built, which is ridiculous, but it's a Mel Brooks movie. But it's kind of the same thing. You know, we've got two, basically three NPCs that actually have some skill at fighting, and everybody else is commoners. We got all these bad guys coming. And that's another thing is that um, that you have commoners out there with you that you're controlling. Yes, that we're kind of yeah. using them as like NPCs or commoners, that kind of thing. Just to get some extra hits and but, extra damage. But in the Blazing Saddles, when the big epic battle happens, they've got this fake town set up that the bad guys are going to ride into, and it's laced with dynamite. And there's a scene where they're, they're ready to blow it up, and they push the plunger, and nothing happens. And then the Waco kid has to shoot this ridiculous like 500-yard shot with a pistol, hits the dynamite, boom and then all of a sudden stuff happens and in my head secretly i was hoping that the bridge would have failed so that i could have had that moment where i would have stood up with my bow and shot this ridiculous shot and hit the fire bag and that would have triggered it because i've also i've already tried to do that because we've had two or three battles where i've tried to shoot one of these fire bags out of the air one time a guy was already holding one i tried to shoot it out of his hand and every time i failed so i just thought Oh, if that could happen. Because in my head, we're already playing Blazing Saddles. Like, I, I saw this happening. And, I mean, that could have been a story that I would have told for the rest of my D&D life. Is the time that I shot this arrow, do you think, it hit the bomb, blew up think, the bridge. Epic. Do you think you could have gotten this idea to me in any way other than just taking me aside and saying, look. I want this to fail because I want to try and do this. This is what I, this is the big picture of what I want to have. I know that I can't make create the story. Do you think it's okay for a player to to, to come go aside and be, and say I think it would be really cool if we if we did this and then I I want the opp- I want the opportunity to have this right. big moment. If I, I don't can. know. I think you could do that for other characters. Like if I've seen something, maybe that Rob's character, like it'd be so cool if Rob's character could do this, but I don't think doing it for my own character would work because then it would, even then it would take away some of that excitement because I know that you're trying to give me that moment. I just, I think it would have lost a little bit, but in my head, that's what was going to happen. And I was so excited at the same time, disappointed in how it happened. Uh, and again, I don't know if there's any great answer for that, but like in my head, 
it was going to be the coolest thing ever. And it was still cool. If you guys... It was the coolest thing ever. Okay. You guys have these other bags that don't that have different colored strings. Yeah, we don't know if they do yet. We're there's, gonna there's find out. Green, blue, and black, and yes. you guys don't know if you would have put those bags on the bridge, it would have been the craziest show you'd ever seen. <laughs> it like wild things just would have started happening. Well, we're gonna find out soon what they do. Uh, and maybe that would have been better. I don't know. But you were, were you were a little. Are you? Af- you're apprehensive to use them because you don't know what they right. do. Right, we're afraid. Like, and I, I really like that. I re- because that was my plan. I my plan was to have these bags do these weird things, and you're not going to know what they do until you throw one. Because right. we the first we time. did some experimenting. We tried to figure them out, and it didn't work. And that's fine because we don't have any talent at that and we were just trying random stupid stuff to see what would happen it was a it was a long process of nope does this work no <laughs> no does this work and, again, no. and that was part of the reason i had fun doing that because right. at one point i i was afraid that the bag like when it opened would explode uh-huh. so there's a whole in, big in my diff- head i knew that nothing was going to happen but i tried to go along with your like right. tension yeah and just say and and that okay. worked because i was afraid that i was going to blow myself up i knew i would survive or felt i would because mm-hmm. of a earlier i had been hit by one which I, I guess w- should have clued me in that it wasn't going to blow the you bridge up. You should trust me at this point that I'm not going to say, okay, You're Michael's dead. character died because he <laughs> was like, you just opened this bag to yeah. see what would happen. But that would be a cool story as well. But anyway, <laughs> so we did all this experimenting, but we don't know what those do. So part of me, I'm afraid that, okay, we're going to shoot the basilisk and we're going to get it almost dead and we're going to throw this at it and it's a rejuvenation potion. It's like, oh, look, now there's two basilisks. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> He's it, twice as big and strong. It could, it could have, depending on what you do with it, it could have a good effect or right. a bad effect. And that's why we're nervous because it's in the unknown quantity. I'm glad that, that, that you are because that's what right. I wanted. So at those. some point we're going to get into a desperation moment where we have to and then we'll just see what happens. And then you'll all die. Probably we'll all die. <laughs> So again, to wrap up that topic, the, I want to make sure that people are comfortable asking their players for feedback and that players are comfortable giving it. And a lot of time, maybe email, like we play every other week, so maybe I don't give you feedback that night that's fresh in my head, good or bad, but a week later, I sit down I and go. I think the email would be a good thing because a lot of times when you ask me um, when a game is over, what I like when we did a 5th edition D&D play test, when it was over, you were like, so what do you think? And I can't. I don't know. I got to go home and I got to debrief with yeah. myself, and I got to think about everything that happened and how I thought about. It. Because a lot of times I have emotional reactions to things, and in the moment I'm angry or upset or something, and then I'll go back and think about it and 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 kind of say, well, no, it wasn't that bad. This is the reason that it happened, and now I understand what it happened, why it happened. So in the moment, I don't want you to say so um how'd it go so I, this is probably good advice for people too like sometimes if you're if you're an emotional person you know um it may not be a good idea to right away say well this was the worst game i've ever played you know be- just because something happened that really sometimes when you take a few days a few hours you get whatever, some perspective on it and you think about what happened then you'll say i understand why he did that and and you know what triggered it and it makes sense to me right and i just think that's good advice and, and my, my buddy rob had, had said one of the things that he's dealt with and he thinks we, we, sh- we should cover is when you have a player that's distracted at the table or is distracting to other people at the table you know on their ipad uh, they're using their computer as a character sheet and it seems like they're always doing other things you can tell they're surfing the web or they're on their phone and i just think that kind of goes together it, you know we covered half of this topic 99 percent. we're going to cover this 
part, 1%. Just have a conversation with them. They're, they are there at your table to have fun. And if they have work issues or wife issues or girlfriend, boyfriend issues, and they're having to deal with that. Do you want to talk about this? Are we starting a new topic? Yeah. We're, we're, we're gonna, so this, well, this new com- topic is. Well, they're kind of combined. People who do other things at the table. Right. And I just, it's going to be a pretty short topic because I think they go together. Is oh, that it, it could be a long topic. could be a long topic. <laughs> is you just have a conversation and just be like, hey, I noticed that in the game tonight you seem like you were distracted. What about eating? Because this is something that we do at our table at the beginning of every game. We eat. Yeah. We always order food, usually Chinese. And then... So you obviously have no problem with that. Somebody yeah. sitting down with food. No, that, that doesn't really bother me. The, the, the two eating. things that kind of bother me as a DM is when they're constantly distracted and they're like they're on their cell phone or they're on their iPad or they're on their computer. And a little bit it happens. I, I do the same thing, especially now that I'm trying to do the whole live tweet thing. I, I get sometimes I'm, I'm doing that. But for me, it's usually a very short burst. Like, you know, I, I do a little tweet, and then I'm back to the game. But, we, you know, we've had players that it looks like they're on their computer doing whatever they're doing more than paying attention to the game. But they're there to have fun. And so maybe you just have a conversation. Again, maybe they're not liking the game that I'm running. Maybe they want a more combat game. I'm doing too much story. They want a story game. I'm doing too much combat. So maybe I can incorporate the things that they want to keep them more involved. Uh, you know, maybe you try to get them to have a role at the table. Maybe they run initiative for you. So every time it's initiative, rather than me writing it down and say, hey, you know, Bob, can you track initiative? So while I'm getting my monsters ready and getting the minis out and I'm drawing my, my combat, you know, grid where everything's at, that character sort of, or that player, I'm sorry, gets everybody to roll initiative, plugs it in, he tracks it for me. That way he's, I'm forcing him to be engaged at the game rather than doing what he's doing. And at some point in time, you just maybe evaluate whether or not that person needs to be at your table. And, you know, and I, I know that's the extreme, but it, it happened to me. I was in a game. I just, I wasn't having fun. And it still took me several games before I said, I don't want to be here anymore. And you were the person that was sitting I was at the a, table. Yeah. I was the one that was on my phone. On your Blackberry. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe I could have had that conversation because I wasn't asked. And I just eventually got bored and I left, left the game. But so, but that brings up that there's two different kinds of people. There's people who do it when they're bored. Like, there's not enough happening. They're, they, there's people that need um, constant, constant yeah. uh, you know, um, stimulation. stimulation yeah. And when they're not getting it from the game, then they turn to something else. So they pick up their phone or they open their laptop or, and then they're do, do, doing something else. And then when the game c- comes back to them, then they get back involved. But then there's a different kind of person who just, that's part of the game. Like, they sit down... They have their phone or they have their computer, and that's part of the game to them. But I'm going to be on this while we play the game. Yeah. And it, I hate it. I, it. Like, I hate it, and I don't want to sound like, uh, like I, I need all, everyone's attention, like, like a teacher at the front of the class, like, all eyes on me. Hey, you, over there, you know, put your book away. You know, right. I'm teaching, focus on me. I don't want to come off like that, but it's kind of like if, you know, I'm sitting at the table and I'm DMing, and let's just say we have um, Nico, Rob, and you. Uh, Rob is sitting in the middle across from me. You're on my right and you're on your iPad. Even if you're just sending a tweet and then Nico's on my left and he's on the computer, I'm, we're humans and I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm interacting with everybody socially how I know how. So I'm looking around the table for eyes, 
you know, and I'm looking and, and I kind of feel like, Hey, if I, if you're doing something on your iPad and Nico's doing something on his computer, but I want to get your attention or I want to do something, I kind of feel like I'm taking you away from something else, uh, and distracting you from something else. And I hate th- that I have that feeling because yeah. I shouldn't. I know I feel like at the table because um, there's been a few times that I remember playing with you when you were DMing and I was before I was a DM and I was just a player. I sat at the table and I'd have my phone out and I might be doing some stuff on it. And now I feel terrible about that. <laughs> like I don't ever want to do it again. I think when you sit down at the table, you your other distractions are gone. If it's I mean, if it's hard for you to sit down and not have some other kind of input, if you have ADD and you don't have any Ritalin and you need a hundred things going on, I understand that, you know. Right. But um it's I I guess I would just like to my thing about it is that it's it is it's very respectful um as a as a player and it's very helpful to the DM uh, uh, when everyone tries to stay involved all the time. And when you have your, your eyes on you know, what's going on and on the DM Um, now at, on the same level, if you're not having fun and as the DM, I'm not keeping you involved, then that's my fault. And I under, and I but again, understand. You, you need to be able to have that adult conversation and explain, hey, I was on my phone a lot tonight. Here's why. Work issue, family issue, whatever. Or I was just bored. You know, I just I wasn't really into the game. And it, and it could be a one game thing. We all have those off nights sure. where we just it just doesn't work for whatever reason. And, and I wouldn't want to have a, if like a conversation with somebody just because of one time. Right. If but it if was it, one night where if this thing happened to me with my college classes and then I came to your game and I just sat there with my head on my hand and I had my phone and I just looked distracted, you'd probably think like maybe something happened with Evan, you know, and you know, I, that's but if it happens fine. every game at some point, I need to have a conversation. Like, are you having fun? You know, do you want me to do something with your character? Are you bored of your character? You want to try something different, you know, try to try to get you engaged as a player as well as, as get your character engaged. But for me, the biggest because I don't like, I'm like you, I don't really like that. It kind of bothers me. Part of it, again, is that ego thing. Like, I'm the center of the universe right now. I'm the DM. I got a lot on my plate. You know, respect that. But what really bothers it's me is... It's not necessarily is, just, like, respect that, but it's also, like, help me. Help this go... Fair. Help me. Help this go smoothly for me. The more attention you give me, uh, the faster things go. Um, well, and just social cues, like the nodding of the head, yeah. lets me know that, okay, you understand what it I'm saying. It makes everything easier uh, as the DM right. going around the table. And it's kind of, it's it's that, it, it's that um, not acting, but uh, uh, whose line is it anyway? Yeah, improv. Im- improv. It's that improv where you sit down and it's a give and take. There's a relationship. There's like an improv thing going on where, you know, you got to go back and forth. And if if one side is putting it all out there and the other side's not really giving anything back, it stops the momentum, right. it slows things down, and it makes it a lot harder. So I'm with you. It's, it's a distraction. My advice is if it's one time, let it slide. If it continues to be habitual, maybe you have that conversation. But for the me, the thing that I don't like more is when people distract other people. And what's funny about this is I do that, and I know that I do that. And, and like, what's an example? Well, 
usually I do it more of being funny. Like, you know, I'm a big movie person. So like when something happens, that reminds me of a movie. I'll be like, I'll just randomly quote a line from a movie and I'll kind of get us off topic or, you know, I'll be like, Oh, by the way, have you seen the new Batman movie? Like I'll just, cause I do kind of have undiagnosed ADHD. So I just have random thoughts that bar bar me at the time. And I'll be like, Oh, that reminds me of this squirrel. And then I'll just ask the player next to me something. And I, and I do that and I know I do it and I try not to, but I hate it. That doesn't bother me at all because but what, what's worse for me is, and there's a, there's a guy, Scott, if you're listening to this, um, you used to piss me off when you do this, he would bring his laptop and he would just pull up random YouTube clips. Like we'd be playing and he would just like turn his computer around and we'd be watching like the honey badger. That's horrible. And it's just like, I'm talking here, you if know, it's like, not porn. Then that's terrible. Yeah, well, no, I don't watch porn with guys. That's no, just weird. That's not weird. <laughs> Way off topic, but yes, like that's what really bothers me that. is when, and it's nothing to do with the game. Like it's just like a random, like oh, have you seen this? And he flips around, and it's some crazy thing on YouTube, or it's a web comic. And even if it's D and D related, you know that's like when we have our lunch break, or the, when the Chinese food shows up because it's always mm-hmm. ten minutes late. So when we're all stopping and getting our food, that's the time to pull out your computer and go, hey, did you see this? Or after the game, when we're all packing up, or before the game, as I'm still getting my notes ready. But when we're actually in the game. I don't want you to start showing the cool stuff on your computer. To me, that's no, terrible. That, that's way past acceptable. That's like disrespectful me. at that point. Yeah, um, that's just attention. I think that that like w- there's no reason why that can't be done at another time, and it's just attention. You're just trying to get so attention. I do it trying to be funny, and, or if I just get distracted. But people who actually use their, I just I don't know. It just it drives me. Insane. I want things to happen at the table that make me laugh. Like I that's. Uh, I'll, you know, I've found I've learned that that is a big um, reward for me while I'm there. The story is part of it, getting a cool story, finding new things out, you know, moving forward. Um, the action and the fighting is part of it. That's, you know, another element to it. Then the, for me, uh, I the la- laughter, laughing at the table, I... I'm that's a big part of who I am, you know, like I, you know, watch um TV shows daily based on whether or not they make me laugh. Right. Like I don't watch too many dramas, like I watch comedies and I want things to happen at the table that make me laugh. And so if when something happens at the table where somebody brings something up and says, "Oh, that reminds me of this, blah 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 blah, blah blah blah, blah 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 blah." And then that's it and we all laugh great like i keep doing it like i want that to happen but if it's like oh that reminds me of this movie you've never seen it okay let me tell you about it <laughs> then no you know but you say you've never seen it okay when this is over Go i gotta watch tell that. you about it right you know when this game is over but you're you know, i uh do it when I, i'm a player too you know i say oh man that's funny that's just like this ha 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 you know right I want those laugh breaks. There, it's like applause breaks when the comedian's doing the <laughs> doing his stand up thing. So he takes a drink of water. Everybody laughs. The DM drinks his water, looks at his nose, and then and then you get back. right back into it. Yeah. So that's fine. So if you're listening to this, if you're that guy, you're pissing other people off at the table, and they just may which, they which may guy? not be telling you that. If you're the guy who's turning your laptop around, oh, saying, yeah. "Hey, have you seen this?" Right in the middle of the game. Wait till there's a down moment. DM has to go use the bathroom. Pizza arrives, and people are getting up, getting plates. That's the time for the laptop spin around. Other than that, no. All right, so I want to move into another topic. Kind of sort of what relates to this as well. This is another one from my buddy Rob. Is how do you reward someone who does a good job role playing while not at the same time kind of 
criticizing people who don't role play well or mm -hmm. just within the game. And for me, we've we've kind of touched on this before. Um, when I used to, what I used to do a long time ago, I had a chart that I made up, and if you if you did certain things in the game, then you got like this sort of random XP bonus. And it was something like every time you got a critical hit, you just put a little check mark on your character sheet, and you know every critical hit was a fifty experience point bonus. Every time you fumbled, you got ten. If you rolled a natural 20 on a skill check, you got 25 experience points and just all these sort of random mechanical D 20 related things would happen and you get experience points. And then we would have a kind of at the end of the night I actually had little slips that I wrote out where every player would nominate who they thought did the best that night. And the best was whatever criteria you wanted. Usually it was role play, but it could also be funny or combination and everybody would vote and I would tally the sheets and I would say, okay, so tonight everybody got a thousand experience points, but Evan was voted, you know, most popular tonight. So you get an extra hundred, you got a 10% bonus for being the, the funniest person tonight. So back then you really, as a DM, you really, you paid more attention to XP than you do now. Because oh, yeah. you've said now you and, just kind of level people like, okay, now you're right. And, and that's kind of the evolution of that is it almost always was the same person. Every now and then you might have a second person jump in, but generally speaking, it was the same person every time who got voted as the funniest or the best role player. So at, at some point it stopped being, you know, the whole point was to encourage other people to try, but all it did was just reward the person who was already naturally good at it. So I kind of got away from that. Uh, and so it kind of long-term revolution, like I said, I don't do XP at all anymore. I just do story-based experience and, and I'll, I'll drop a secret on you. This is some, some crazy knowledge. I don't even really do story-based uh, XP. I do session-based XP. That's it, what I've been doing. I only tallied your XP once. Other than that, like, I... We just kind of level when you want us to, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm like, now's a good time. And, and I'm fine with that. For me, usually, it's four levels. So you start at first level, we'll play, or excuse me, four sessions. We'll play four sessions, and then you'll level. And then the next time, we, you go five sessions, and then you level. And then you go six sessions, and then you level. And I just kind of keep that progression. And usually when it gets about eight, that's probably the max. And then like every eighth session, you'll level. For me, that, that game that I ended up leaving that I hated, and I, I'm not exaggerating, I went from level 16 to level 23 in one night, and all I did was play Brick Breaker on my phone. Like I, don't, I couldn't tell you anything that happened. But people were leveling like willy-nilly, and I hate that. For me, it's kind of like getting a new toy. Every time I level, I get new stuff. I want to have a chance to use all that stuff. I want to play with it. I want to experiment with it. I want to see what I can do before I get my next new toy. You know, it's like if your birthday and Christmas are on the same week, I don't want to get them lot close together. So give me level two. Let me have some time to play with level two before I get level three. That's a Michael thing. There's other people who may wish they leveled faster because I, I am known amongst the circles that I play with that... I have very slow games. You know, we've been playing. I know. I would like to level faster in your games. Yeah, I and that's just that's because I mean that's good criticism. Maybe I should do it a little faster than that. Well, it, it's probably just because I haven't played that much, and I don't think I've played a character over fifth or sixth level. I just want to. Yeah, that's all. And and that's fair. You know, that that's a fair criticism. And I don't want to wait two years to do it. And that, you know, there's some uh, traffic been on the internet lately with the D and D next uh, playtest. People are asking like, how fast. Like there was a there was a poll question. I don't remember exactly how it was asked, but it was basically if you play a regular session every week, how long should it take you to get level twelve? 
And my response wasn't even on there because it was longer than any of the ones that it put. For me, that's like three years, maybe, to get to level 12. That's the type of game that I like to run. I like very slow, and it's like movies. I like slow, character-driven movies. I don't need a lot of action. I enjoy those action movies, but the movies that really stick with me are character-driven, and that's the type of game that I try to run. I'm not saying I do a good job, but that's what I'm aiming for. So what I've done now is I just do story-based XP or basically just session. You level when I think you should. So now I use hero points as my in-game reward for someone who does something creative or funny or good role-playing. And the way that I, the reason I think that works well is that everybody gets them when you level, but you get more of them for doing the, the cool stuff that I reward you. So it's not like the people who maybe are just shy and they're not good at role-playing or they're, they're too awkward to, to really be a boisterous personality. They're still going to get hero points. They're just not going to get as many as the other person. It doesn't really affect their level. So you're looking at me kind of crazy. So do you not agree or you don't understand? That's just my face, Michael. What do you say? <laughs> well, then you my, got that could, crazy could, face. Could you put the knife down? <laughs> um, I don't know. Like hero, po- hero points are just okay to me. I don't really love them when you give them to me. I'm not like, yes. Um, and I get, I get my stance on it is probably like I wouldn't miss them. Um, I don't have any. I don't have an idea for something to do that would be better. So um, it's kind of pointless. Like what you're doing isn't good, but okay. Well, what should I do better? Well, I have no. Idea. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, but um, in your game, it's a poker chip. Yeah, that you give to the players. So you physically have it, mm-hmm. and then when you are doing something, when the player is doing something, and he wants some extra help on his roll, he can hand that poker chip back over to you, but like cash in his hero point, right? And then he gets to do what? You you roll a d six, and then you add or subtract that from the d twenty based on what you're trying to accomplish, um, or you can also use it to affect damage. So basically, for each hero point, you can maximize or minimize one of the die that is rolled as a damage. So if you, because I think we, Rob did this the other night, he rolls a D12, he hit successfully, so he gave me a hero token, he automatically did 12 points of damage plus his modifiers. So basically, if you were being hit by something and you're, you're close to death and you don't want to die, you give me that token and one of the D10s I roll is automatically a one. If there's multiple dice, then you still roll the other ones, but you can spend as many hero points as you want in that specific situation. And basically it's just a way to kind of spend fate either in your direction or away from the other guy. Uh, I do have a sort of a homebrew rule that you can use a feat. So at third, sixth, or ninth level or a bonus feat as a fighter, you could turn that D6 into a D8 or a D10 or all the way up to a D12. So the math swing is a little bit bigger, but no one's ever done that other than me in my game when other people like run for me. No one's ever taken that option. But basically, it's, it's a, either between a 5 and a 30% swing in your favor or a damage swing in your favor just as a way to reward. And usually, I give them away for being funny. I feel like that's the number one reason somebody gets them is they just crack a joke or they say something silly. And usually, it's in-game. But, you know, same thing. If they quote a movie that's just, like, perfect, then I'll give them a hero to Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Usually it's a funny comment, more than like a, just a really good role play situation. So you use them more like you're the king and you have these jesters <laughs> yes. and like, make me laugh and you'll <laughs> get a gold coin. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what happens. You make me laugh 
You dance for me, fool. Dance for That's exactly the way it works. <laughs> uh, so that's my way to kind of encourage, like you said, humor at the table is a big part of what we're trying to do. We're there to have fun. And if, if you're making the experience more fun for me, then I'll reward you with a token. So have you ever thought that you could reward a person with a token, but then the token means something else? Like it doesn't have anything to do with dice rolling. Like maybe you get this token and uh, it's good for something back in your town. Or, you know, you, you might level us ahead of like... Um, you, you know, if you're not going to level for eight sessions, maybe just you get to level tonight. Everybody else gets to le- levels like next week or. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see doing something different. That might be a little bit extreme. Uh, just, you know, it, if you get enough uh, hero tokens, you can get this special item. So that, that's more of like a video game or metagame process and, and i'm not saying it's any better or worse than what i'm doing but i just kind of like because the idea of the i'm just token, trying to i'm just no, throwing yeah, out different ideas yeah yeah uh but the whole idea of the of the kind of the hero token is sort of like you know you're the hero so fate swings in your favor so the, the d6 roll or the dice roll for damage just makes it more likely you'll live or more likely you'll survive or you'll kill that thing so it kind of fits within the motif of being a hero anyways um I, I mean, I, there, there's probably people that have two dozen different in-game rewards that they use, whether they use tokens or something else. Like tickets at the arcade. Yeah, you, you get a thousand tickets, tickets you, you get a plus one magic weapon. And I'm sure there's people that do that, and their players, you know, some of them probably love that. But the way that I'm more of a character-driven story, I don't really want to tie, uh, you know, an item in the game to that token which you is another thing. Low, I'm low magic, too, you, so I do slow games, yeah. and nobody ever gets magic items. Like, ever. <laughs> Like, if you, you get, like your games do not sound fun when you describe them. <laughs> they you, are fun. I do like because you write interesting stories and there's plot twists and it's about characters and stuff yes. like that. But when you like, if you were describing your game to somebody, it would just sound so boring. Probably, <laughs> and that's part of my. But I have these hero tokens. But the way I grew up in D anD D, like I've played through what's commonly called Monty Hall campaigns, and that's from the old uh, Let's Make a Deal game show where he'd be like all right who's got a paper clip and somebody would have a paper clip in the purse like i played in games where oh we're fighting werewolves okay i have a plus four weapon against lanthrocopes or whatever oh we're fighting vampires all right, i got a plus six makes mm-hmm. against like they just have like a golf bag of stuff they carry around with them in every situation they have the perfect and to well, me so that's what? just dumb i hate it so for me i, I just got rid of that completely. but it makes sense in the world that those items exist not really because when you really think about all the effort that's required to make magic items Who's making all these magic items that are just randomly littering the world? Well, that's the, if if you treat it like a video game where in every chest you come across there's this many gold, a magic helmet and something right. and like but And it, we're we're getting it, way into a different topic, but my argument is is if, if you kill the king of the goblins and you open his treasure chest and there's a plus 4 vorpal sword, why wasn't the king of goblins using it against you? He would have, and he would have killed you with it. Well, the end. Yeah, but that's just one. I mean, that's a good argument against it, but there's that's not the end all be all of why it shouldn't be in <laughs> it there. It isn't my I mean, game, damn it. I mean, it, you know, you just write it into the story in a different way. You know, you, you, it's buried somewhere. Well, and, and that um, stuff, I mean, people do get magic items in my game, but they're, they're, I don't a, ever remember they're a bigger a deal. Item. If you get a plus one magic weapon in my game, it should have a story to it. It should be, it's not just, 
oh, I have a plus one weapon. It's it's the plus one weapon of Argonoth, and you know it was the sword that killed but, the Minotaur. Okay, well, and... It's not really off topic because this ties in with how do you reward players. I actually would really enjoy those magic items more than the hero points. Um, when I play video games, I like uh, acquiring bigger and better things that you know give me bonuses and stuff like that. And I understand. I don't really understand what makes you so frustrated about uh, like people. A lot of people having different magic items, but you're the DM. If you don't want people to like just have an arsenal for anything that they come across, they have something to deal with it. Then you don't have to give them all that different stuff. But at the same time, what's wrong? It makes the play as a player. It makes me feel good to, to be like, I'm prepared for anything. Now, maybe as a DM, you have a scenario come up where it's just everything I have is useless. And as a DM, you sit back and laugh and go, ha, you know, now, well, now Casey Jones, what are you going to do? But as the player, I don't know if I speak for very many other players. You know, I've only played with a few people. But um, I like acquiring those items and it, and maybe you know if it's just a plus one sword um or it doesn't have to be something really powerful but just the idea that i it's kind of like having the right tool for the job like when something breaks on your car it's a good feeling to go all i have to do is go to the garage i already got that tool i'll bring it back and i'll fix it and when you come to a situation and you're like, I got the right tool for the job, it's kind of a good feeling. And what's funny is I'm much more likely to give out those odd magic items than I am magic weapons or armor. Like in my games, you are much more likely to find a ring that gives you invisibility powers or a ring that you don't have to eat or you can breathe underwater. Like I'm much more likely to give out those type of weapon or those types of magic items than a plus one sword. And maybe like, maybe you make the encounters tougher. So it really doesn't even matter. The fact that I have a plus one sword seriously didn't make the encounter go any better. But in my mind, it is in my mind, no, and, I have the plus one. And that's sword very and fair criticism. And you know, and I'm just a creature of habit. And, and like, even the people in my current game, like, they have said semi-jokingly, kind of in that way when you're talking to your girlfriend and you're like, you want to make out? I'm just kidding, unless you want to. You know, <laughs> like, they'll say things like, Am I going to get a sword? Are we going to get a magic weapon? Tonight? You know, like, they'll say things. So I think they are legitimately also frustrated. And maybe that's something I should look at, that if you save up, you know, your hero tokens, you turn them in as, like, ten of them, and then I do allow a magic item where you can find the... I still make it part of a story. Like, it's not just like, oh, and it appears. But, okay, here's my 10 hero tokens. My character now wants to quest for that plus one sword of Argonoth. And that's just the next story. So I'll let them do that. Maybe that's a big critique. Is that you seem to be DMing a, a lot of players who want this. But as the DM, you don't, don't like wanna, to do that. Yeah, I don't want to give it to them. So, I mean, that's a good... Yeah, that's a good example of something that, you I know... I can work on you don't like to do, but you're playing with people who do want that. So it's funny because we're kind of running a little bit long on time. I know we're going to cut some of this out, but I, I do want to get to one more topic before we quit because I want to talk a little bit about the new game I'm starting because it's really funny that we give that criticism because I'm, I'm going to go even farther to the other extreme, and I'm going to think about this as an experiment. All right, now I posted this on the website, and I didn't put all the details in case you didn't read it, though I've already talked to you a little bit about it, so you, you still kind of know what's coming, but not as much. But... Like, there's a spectrum of how crazy I want to get with this game. And I just want to take your kind of your pulse on 
Do you want me to go full batshit crazy or just a little bit crazy? So what I mean by this is, as you know, the game is going to start in this humongous city that's just ridiculously big. But it's a self-contained environment. No one ever leaves the city. No one comes to the city. It's like a socialist. It's like Detroit. <laughs> no one comes in. No one leaves. No one leaves. But it's a, it's a closed environment. It's like a socialist community. that There's no such thing as wealth. Like you, you have a job. You're a farmer. You make food so other people eat. They make clothes so you can wear them. Like there's no such thing as wealth within the city. And well, well, there'd so, be trade. No, no, no. I mean, everything. Basically, you're assigned a job when you become of age, and you're responsible for doing that job. And you you give away whatever you you create, and other people give away what they create. So there's no way to accumulate any sort of wealth. There's no such thing as gold coin. Nothing. All right. So you're just part of this communist. Community. Okay, I think there's a big flaw in this already that I want to address, but I'm not going okay, to. So we'll move. Keep on. going. Okay. So so you're part of this city in this environment, and I really want the the players to create a character, a person that would live in this environment. So you are Bob the Baker, and you're 45 years old, and you have a wife, and you have three kids, and you know your kids' names, and you know their birthdays, and you know you want to make the best pie in the world because it's your wife's birthday coming up, and that, that's what you're focused on, not. I want to get a sword or fighting orcs. I mean, you're just imagine you're this commoner in this city and that's what you do. And that's your life. And I've got some ideas that I might have like a random way of you guys, whether or not you know each other. So if you are the baker and the other guy is the, you know, the, the clothier or whatever that you guys are friends and maybe you play no money poker on the weekends together type of a thing. And then right off the bat, like as soon as I set the stage and everybody's kind of comfortable and okay, I'm Bob the baker bam, you get exiled and now you're out of the city and you're in this vast wilderness. Like you have no weapons, you have no armor, you have no training. It just, and it, a lot of this kind of came from the TV show Lost is you're just lost. Like you, you have no base of operations. How are you going to survive? And the PCs would have to come together and trust one another. And, and I've got some stuff I want to build in that certain people might not be trustworthy and you know, there's secrets and all kinds of stuff to kind of sow some dissension at the same time. And that's basically where the game's going to start. So night one, I'll set you up in the city. I kind of want to trick the players. I want the players to think that the game is going to happen in the city and then just instantly take them out of that so that they as a player will have that same sense of, holy crap, you know, I'm not prepared for this at all because that's what I want to do. But see, this is how crazy I want to get with it. I want to do everything random. So you would roll a dice and that would determine what race you are. You'd roll a dice and that would determine what, occupation you have whether you're a baker or an artist or a clothier or a furrier or a trapper or whatever and then not even give you your character sheets like i would create your character sheets for you and i would have them and you you'd play that first game without even having it in front of you and i would only describe in relation to other people like okay evan you're you're bigger than everyone else you're you're stronger you're clearly stronger than other characters um you know but nico's character he's always using big words he's the smart guy and you would just play without any character. And you just tell me what you want to do, and I would tell you whether or not you succeeded. So it, that's the far end, no character sheet. For the end, this is how the whole game will go? Well, just to start. Because at some okay. point, you're going to become a leveled character, like if you survive. Once you're in the wilderness, I've got some things set up. So like if somebody wants to play a wizard, the, something would happen pretty early on to give them the ability to become a wizard. But for that first session, maybe even first two sessions, it's just... You know, again, that whole lost thing where it's almost like a metagame. 
you don't have a character sheet, so you are just kind of floating around. And, and I think as an experiment, it might be cool, but I don't know if people would really like doing it or so not. So the first couple of games, um, would there be combat? Yeah. If we initiated it? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be like... But it, we wouldn't... It might be like a boar. Like you have to kill something for food. We wouldn't know if we could do... Or we wouldn't have... We, we're level zero. Yeah. So you have no attacks to, other than strength. Like if you're the we're not strength. monitoring our hit points. Yep. We don't have any abilities. We don't... Yep. It would just be... It would be realistically like if you and I got dropped into mm-hmm. the wilderness right now. You've got military background. I grew up playing in the woods. So I could say, I know how to, to do this. And you've got military training. You know how to do that. And we might be able to work things out. But it's not like we're dropping into combat with a machine gun and a buck knife and a combat vest. I mean, we're going to be totally unprepared, or the PCs are going to be totally unprepared for the environment. They're That's in how you want it. So, like, to start. Okay, so when we get dropped, like, okay, we're exiled. Whatever happens, we're banished. Then we all get dropped together. Then you slide the papers across the table. But not even necessarily them, but like as you start to do stuff, you know, like, okay, I well, you know, I'm the strongest guy. I want to try to take a rock and I'll just throw it at something if I need to. Another guy who's maybe the fast guy. Okay, well, I'll take a sh- sharp stick and try to poke at things. And, you know, the first combats are probably going to be against, like, a wild animal that you have to kill to eat, or maybe a big snake. Uh, there might be a stream that you swim in, and there's a monster in there that you're not aware of. So it's all going to be very sort of environmental, natural predator type of thing. And then as the game progresses, you're going to – there's going to be a bigger world than the PCs know about. And at some point, you're going to step into that world, and you're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, there'll be a place to go and get armor – and weapons and almost like just like oh my god there's this whole world we never knew about that was right outside our door and then you're kind of grow into that and that's the point like when you become a first level character i'll be like okay here's your character sheet but until then which probably one session maybe two just tell me what you want to do and i'll tell you what happens and i just don't know i'm afraid that it's a good idea like maybe like a novel idea for the whole thing i've got i just don't know if it would be fun for the players to play in that type of game I would, for me, I would say a couple things. Um, one is that I would say let's do it just to do it so that uh, when it's over, we at, at least, least we, know, we know if it works like, or not. That was cool or it sucked. So I'd be open to do it just to do it. A couple things that I would say about it is that, one, um, I think that as a DM – you would have to be more open and uh, to your players' suggestions of what's working and what's not than you probably ever have before. And because uh, if if they're not liking how it's going, then you what are you going to do? Are right, are you going to just stop and say, okay, this isn't working? I'll start something different. Or will you be able to just work? Keep the same story, keep everything going, but work in the characters without just saying, okay, this wasn't working. Okay, here's your sheets. We'll just start over. Well, I do have two minds. In my head, I wanted to tell you guys, all right, you know, give me four sessions. And if you're not having fun after four sessions, we'll do something Will we different. not have character sheets for four sessions? No, you'll, you'll have them probably at the end of the first or sometime during the second. I, I was going to say the other thing was that for me, I know for me, if I said if we go through a full – four hours, usually what our sessions are, three and a half maybe. Um, If we do that twice, I will probably be bored out of my mind. Like, 
be, um, because can you get story? I would be, I would be open to it, and I would be wouldn't I wouldn't even be thinking that much about how um, I don't have a character sheet in front of me if you if I was interested in what's going on. So if we're just in the city and we're starting here, and you're just like, okay, go do what you want to do, I. I'm going to be like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I'm just going to go to the bar. Okay. Well, this isn't fun for me, but if you, if you get us involved in a story right away so that we're not even thinking about the fact that that this other part is different, then it would probably be fine because we only refer to our character sheets for certain things in combat anyways, or if we want to try an ability, or if we're going to make a roll for, you know, is this guy lying or something like that. Right. The other part of the uh, most of our decision making is just, you know, character sheet aside, here's what I'd like to do. And we can still do all that. So I would just say that as long as we're in a story right away that's fun, I think that it would probably be fine. And I'd be open to, open to doing right. it anyways, just to see how it goes. And like I said, I just want to try, like I said, four sessions. If it's, if you guys are having fun, we'll keep going. If not, we can either just start something completely different, or I could just fast forward to, okay, you're now in this bigger world that, that's there, and it's more like a traditional D&D world, but you're not going to have access to it right away. That, that's part of that whole lost thing. Uh, the other thing I thought I might do is the next time we play your game, have – you, Nico, and Rob roll all those roles that you won't know what they mean, you know, for, for your race and for your profession and that kind of stuff, and then email you, all right, this is what you got. So you're a dwarven male and you're a blacksmith. Let's go with the, the stereotype. And you would know that. So when you came to the game that first night, you would already know, and you could be working on your background and your story. If you're married or single, how old you are, you know, did you start off trying to be something else? Like, did you want to be a baker and you failed at it, so now you're a blacksmith. So that way, like within the first few minutes of the game, I can exile you, which is where the story really starts, rather than that first game having everybody roll all those roles and try to figure out their backgrounds. And that would probably be a good way of doing it. Yeah, so, so you do it ahead of time. Yeah, so you come with okay, I'm Bob the Baker, you know, and and hopefully my goal is that you you get into this true persona, like you you know that you have kids and. You know, you're excited about that. You know your wife's name and you know your neighbor's name because you think that's the type of game it's going to be. And then I pull the rug out from under the players day one, and there's just that, again, metagame. The players are lost and the characters are lost. The way I'm – okay, now I'm thinking about it in a different way, and I and it doesn't sound fun to me. because <laughs> I should have stopped talking. Because this is how I'm thinking about it now. Um, basically, it's uh, Vietnam and – I, you and me are here. We are, we have our jobs that we have now. We are our own people. We, like we've been alive for this amount of time. We're this kind of person. We're big. We're strong. We're fast. Whatever. Um, now we're drafted. You're drafted. And the army says, "Okay, now you are a cook. Now <laughs> you are a um, infantry now you are a tanker regardless of whether that's what you want to be or not that's how i'm feeling about it now and i'm like that doesn't sound like fun i mean because i'm not i don't have any choice over it so i don't know at first i was like and i know that it, it is an experiment and it could fail but i think every person 
and this is a real world person, that would be honest with themselves. There's this sort of secret feeling that you're special. And it's, you know, very typical of like a superhero movie. You know, everybody, me, Michael. everybody thinks they're special. Everybody thinks that if the zombie attack happens tomorrow, you're the survivor. Mm-hmm. Like no one in their head thinks I'll be the first one dead. No, I'm going to be the guy leading the resistance. I'm going to be the Rick Grimes of the zombie apocalypse. Or, you know, I'm going to be the main character that survives the asteroid attack that wipes out half the population. So even though that does happen, when you're put into this larger world, I think there'll be a sense of maybe this is what I was really meant for. I've been a baker for 10 years, but it really didn't make me happy. And now I have this chance to affect you know, so many other things. I'm what, hoping that sense of wonderment will kick are in. Are we still, are we going to be able to decide what, uh, like, class we are? Yes. And so you're play, gonna, yeah, yeah, so okay. you're going to start as a zero-level commoner, but if you're somebody who's like, when you get in that situation, you're like, well, I want to be a fighter, then you can, when whenever that happens where you level, you so, can choose to be a fighter. If you're somebody who's like, I want to be a wizard then there's going to be something happening in the game that will give you access to that knowledge that you could do that as well. How are you going to do, how do you want to do the stats? Uh, Well, the way I was going to do the stats, going back to that matrix I talked Mm -hmm. about, I was going to roll out an entire matrix and then have you randomly roll, and one of your rolls would be which stat line you picked. So when you got your character sheet in the email or the character, you'd say, okay, so if I do tell you your stats, and I, I I might just say you're above average strength, your below average intelligence, you know, and, and give you those rate rather than doing your actual numbers. You're really strong. You know, if you have a 17 or, or you're the strongest person you ever met, you always win in, you know, uh, arm wrestling competitions, or you're the smartest person, you know, you read a lot of books and you kind of tell you that way. So again, trying to create a person and not just a bunch of stats on a piece. When of you paper. do, when you um, do traditional character sheets, when you're rolling for your stats for your first time, um, do you start with strength and you roll the dice and that's strength? Is that the way it's supposed to go? Or do you roll the dice and get to choose where that's going to go? Well, in, and then in original in, like D&D from the you know, Middle Ages when it was first created, you rolled in order 3D6, whatever uh-huh. you got is what you got. And then you could only so pick. So my first roll of the dice is going to be my strength. Yes. Okay. That's the way it was originally written very early on. And I don't know if it was optional within the the original rules or not, but pretty early on, people stopped doing that. Uh, you know, like in original basic D&D, you had things that were called prime requisites. And basically, if you wanted to be a fighter, you had to have a certain strength score. And if you didn't have that score, you could not be a fighter. So if you rolled your stats and you just didn't have the stats to do it, you couldn't be the class you wanted. And for a lot of people, that's the part that wasn't fun, which is kind of funny because that's what I'm talking about, taking away the player choice. So people said, okay, well, if you want to be a fighter, you can manipulate them so that you can at least get a score good enough to be a fighter. If you want to be – the Paladin was kind of like the go-to example because the Paladin had three prime requisites. You had to have a certain strength, you had to have a certain charisma, and you had to have a certain, I think, wisdom. So you had to have three scores out of six that were randomly assigned that had to be at least, I think, a 15 or better to be a Paladin. So back then – if you qualified, like you almost guaranteed picked it. If you're like, holy crap, I can be a paladin. It was amazing that you could do that. Where now... Was it amazing to be a paladin? Or I don't were there know. any better? Like, I mean, it was harder to get to be one, but was well, it worth it? Again, in the original like basic D&D, the, the paladin, I guess advance actually, they had the same fighter advancement as a fighter, but they had extra cool stuff too. So yeah, so they were a little bit more powerful of a character. 
So I don't know. So you're taking that away from us, right? And so like I might, I don't know. I mean, because I, I want to go into your game. Uh, I think it could be awesome, but it could suck, and I, I kind of know that. Well, going again, that we're you know we're it's back to your head versus our head, you know. Um, right. So I, I hope people will be willing to try it, and then like I said, give me four sessions. And if, if after four, or like if the first two are just god awful, we may okay scrap it. But if it's kind of like maybe you know I'm liking parts of it, it, you know I think four sessions is enough to hit my stride. And if the game's not going well, then it's not going to get any better. And then we'll just either jump into the next section of that game and make it more traditional, or we'll just let you guys reroll characters, pick your classes, and we'll do something like that. And the next time I might actually go completely the other way like we talked about, where you guys roll your characters and you just tell me, we want to be pirates. Okay, I'll make a pirate game. Or you want to be bad guys. Okay, I'll make a bad guy. You know, you together as a group, roll your characters, pick your classes, decide what type of people you want to do or be, and I will just create a game around that rather than me creating a game and putting you into it. So I'll go from one extreme to the other, and we'll see which one people like best. All right, well, thanks for listening. This is Michael. And this is Evan. And, uh, again, please comment. And um, if you have any ideas for any topics for us to talk about, please let us know and uh, we'll see you next time. And uh, follow us on Twitter at dice monkeys. And maybe you can uh, be the reason I'm distracted during the games. All right. See ya.